Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In 2022, a pair of former ball players and a talented young broadcaster were tasked with creating a college football podcast. These men promptly escaped into the mountains of West Virginia and got to work. If you want top-level football analysis, off-topic stories, and locker room humor, you're in the right place. You are in the gun. In the Gun, episode number 72. It's time to take a look at the WVU football schedule for this upcoming season as we are just a week out. We're, we're a week away from being a week away here. Waiting fun, waiting on the Mountaineers. So we're going to do a little ceiling, best case scenario, what we think for this season. Maybe a floor if things go south, what that could look like as well too. Plenty to get into as always. It is In the Gun. I'm Wesley Euler with the best teammates in the business, the signal caller, Jed Drenning and the runaway beer truck, Owen Schmidt. And as always, this episode of ITG brought to you in part by our friends at Bet Online, your number one source for all of your betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right on your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to get in on the action. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE when you sign up for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B-L-E-A-V at where the game starts. Bet online. Gentlemen, schedule episode here. So Jed and I were kicking this around before we started recording. Figured it would be a, a nice way to get us going here. Um, two rivals. right? And and. I know as soon as I say this, there's going to be some people who are saying, we haven't played Penn State in 30 years, and look at the all-time series record. That's not a rivalry. Okay, loose term, whatever, all right? Two rivals on the schedule in the, in the first uh, three games to start the season. Of course, that big trip out to Happy Valley, what, about 10 or 11 days from now? And then uh, two weeks later, welcoming those stinking Pitt Panthers to Morgantown for the first time since 2011. So simple question and big O I'll start with you on this one. Since Jed and I kind of kicked it around with, uh, you know, uh, when we uh, hopped on the, the zoom call here, if you could only pick one, if, if, if we're telling you right now, WVU starts two and one, and we're assuming a victory against Duquesne there in between, who would you rather beat Penn state in the season opening top 10 opponent on the road or Pitt? our most hated rival in the backyard brawl in Morgantown for the first time in over a decade. Wes, this is an easy one, man. Pitt. <laughs> Pitt, That's, man. Owen, Owen, that was about a, the length of my answer when Jed asked me to. <laughs> now, let, let's give credit where credit's due. I, I, I'm still not certain where this poll came from. Someone had told me we tried to track it down to give proper credit. Uh, somebody told me Greg had mentioned it, so maybe it was a Metro News poll, Greg Hunter, uh, I, I tried to check Tony's feed. I didn't see it. It might've come from Metro news, but either way, it's a great, it's a great poll. It's a great content, right? Something to chew on. And uh, I, I think you can make an entertaining argument. And Skyler, when we mentioned it said, Hey, last year would have been fun too. Last year, would you have picked Pitt or Virginia tech? Yeah. And, and, and last year, again, I, 
I learned all on my own to hate Virginia Tech. I was taught at an early age to hate Pitt my whole life. I learned. But uh, last year, because the series was going away, I might have picked Tech. But uh, this year, uh, again, your 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 knee-jerk gut reaction is, of course, Pitt. Pitt, 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 anytime Pitt, okay? Uh, to do that, let, let's, let's, you know, set the, set the uh, what's at stake here? Let's establish the terms. You're turning down an opportunity. This is how much beating Pitt means to us. You're turning down an opportunity for the biggest upset in the history of the West Virginia football program. We've never gone on the road and beaten a team ranked as high as number seven, which Penn State is in the Associated Press. So if you choose Pitt, you're choosing, no, don't want the biggest upset in the history of the program. We want Pitt. And that, that's why it makes perfect sense for me to entertain it. But it's tough to talk yourself into it. I just think that if you're looking big long term, and you made a good point too, Wes. I want you to jump in on what you said about this. Yep. I think it says more about your football team. You, you can beat Pitt. Again, Pitt's getting votes. They're in the preseason poll. They're not in the top 25. They're getting votes. So they might, if a couple breaks go their way and they win decisively enough in their first couple and beat Cincinnati in week two, it convincing. It's going to take some breaks, but they might come to town ranked. Maybe. I think it's 22nd, long, 23rd, whatever. something it's like that. It's a long shot, yeah. maybe, but yeah. they need some help. But you you might beat them on a fluke play like they beat us last year. In other words, that was kind of fool's gold. There's no fool's gold going in front of 110,000 top 10 Penn State team with everything back. If you beat them, you're built to win some football games in 2023. If you beat that Penn State team, irrespective of what happens or doesn't happen, you know you're built to win some games, okay? There's no guarantee that with Pitt. If I'm throwing some shade at Pitt, that's by design, right? But, boy, I, I, I might, all that being said, because of what happened last year, still say we we got to get one of the Panthers. That's, we got to get one of the Panthers. And think about what Owen said. Owen, I want you to chime in, too. I'll never forget you telling me this. After the game we dare not speak of in 07, I watched the game, and you played lights out. You played incredible football that night. And I asked you, I said, was it because you had a national championship berth on the line? You said, no. Was it because it was Pitt? You said, no. And this is all you need to know about Owen Schmidt. You remember what he said, Wes? Yeah, it was his last game on Mountaineer Field. It was my last game on Mountaineer Field. So, Owen, what do you got to say? I mean, dude, you know, as far as the the 07 game, I mean, still true to this day, uh, you know, Unfortunately, my last showing at Mountaineer Field is uh, is known as one yeah. of the worst losses in history. But, you know, this year, I understand beating Penn State uh, would be tremendous for us starting out the season. But we can still play close and lose and still have high hopes for this season. Uh, Pitt is just one that, buddy, it's it's the backyard brawl. It's the, it's the neighbor. It's the, it's the you know, it's the – the stepbrother you don't like, you know what I mean? That's it's it. That's it. You All know what I mean? Things. It's, it's, it's just what it is. We, we want it bad and it's at home. It's our first real night game, uh, in Morgantown in a very long time. Uh, the game sold out in an hour or whatever the media is saying, 10 minutes. Um, yeah. It's going to be an electrifying atmosphere. And regardless if we took a bad beat at Penn state, beating the dog crap out of pit would bring us right back on top yeah. as far as the energy level goes into the season, in my opinion. And, Wes, and Jed, I think too, the, 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 
just the big kicker, uh, one more thing, and then I'll get into kind of what my final point was too, um, is what Owen just said, the, the Pitt game at home. Like if, And I know we would have never scheduled it to play Penn State and Pitt both out of conference, both on the road in the same season. That would just make no sense. But yeah. if that were the case, if it, if the game was up in up in Pittsburgh again, I might even think about it a little bit longer. But yeah, those those guys haven't won on our turf since that game that we do not talk about. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'd I'd like to keep that streak going. I, I can't have those guys waltzing in in a night game in prime time and and beating us for the second straight year. And then all of a sudden they're like, Ooh, WVU hasn't beat us since 2011. Oh, that's been so long, hasn't it? I just I can't do it. Uh, I'm I'm obviously biased in this, right? Because if you were somebody who lives outside of Blacksburg, you know, you probably would say that you hate Virginia yeah. Tech more than Pitt because you bump shoulders, you know, you rub elbows with their fans all the time and they drive you crazy. That's yeah. That's obviously me having been born and raised here. You know, I live 25 minutes away from Pitt's campus. I work for the Steelers and I bump shoulders with a lot of those people. You've all heard the famous Pat Narduzzi hat story, right? Um, I mean, I – hear or see or something about Pitt almost every single day of my life. They're like, you know, the, the gum on your shoe that you can't get rid of. And you hear it squeaking every time you take a, you take a step. My last point though, for every reason that we've said of, of, of the answer being Pitt um, is I feel like we compete more with Pitt as a program. And I, that probably makes sense to most of you, but what I mean is, you know, Penn state is like, they're, they're a step above us. And I think they're a step above Pitt as well, too. They're not Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia, you know, but I do think they're in that second tier of some of those, some, some of those, some of those other programs, you know? Um, and and I think whereas us and Pitt, very similar type of of tiers of college football programs where we're recruiting against Pitt a lot more than we are against Penn State. We're competing for coach coaching staffs and and administrators and recruits and all this stuff with with Pitt much more than we are Penn State. And so while you're right, the opening game, top 10 win on the road in an atmosphere like that, that would be that would be amazing for the program. But I think long term or just for the next 365 days for our coaching staff, for everybody involved with the athletic department to be able to say, Hey, you know, we beat those guys, those, those pit guys this year. And, you know, they're coming off the end of their glory days. Kenny Pickett's long gone. They've had all these draft picks They're, You know, they, they had their moment. It's our moment now to ascend. They're on the decline. We're on the climb, right? I think you could preach all that messaging for a year with a win over pit. I don't know if you're doing the same with Penn state. The question before we jump into our best and worst case scenarios for West Virginia 2023, uh, I, I'm not sure the answer. I wonder if we play, you, you mentioned Narduzzi, and I think of this every time you mention his name. Are <laughs> we able to play, would, will YouTube shoot us down for copyright infringement if we play our uh, Pat Narduzzi theme song on here? <laughs> you they guys might. know what I'm talking about because I text it to you constantly. Anybody that's seen superhero movies. D-bag D of the year yes, award. Yes, yes. So we better <laughs> avoid it right now. But for hats off, no pun intended, Wes, to Pat Narduzzi, the D-bag of the year. So uh, <laughs> let, let's get rolling with our best and worst, because I think uh, uh, Big O has a uh, Greenbrier West football emergency tonight. Yes, I know. I know. I know Big O has to get himself to uh, to practice here soon. So, all right, Big O. Uh, give me your give me your ceiling and your floor for WVU, right? Okay, best case scenario, I think we could do this. I think this could be our record. I think we could find ourselves here. 
worst case scenario, quarterback play doesn't develop like we like we want it to. Offensive line doesn't isn't one of the best units. You know, defense struggles. If things kind of get unraveled. Here's what I think the worst case scenario could be. How whatever, how you feeling? Whatever order you want. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say best case scenario for us. What eight and two. Four, eight and four. Uh, eight and four. Huh? Eight and four. Yeah, eight and four. Huh? Look, he's already dialed into Greenbrier West. See, he's already here. dialed in. <laughs> yeah. He's thinking Greenbrier West could be eight and two. Yeah, yeah 12, 12, 12, 12 game I'm regular season. High school schedule here. Um, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like eight and four, and I'm thinking worst case scenario. Oof. Uh, Probably the reverse of that, four and eight. What do you think would be the the why behind either? In other words, I'd say we just we just I'd say the reason we'd get uh, we'd do well is because we we are able to control the clock with the run game, Um, and I think quarterback play would steadily improve as the season went on. Uh, We lose a couple close ones. It could be it could be it could be ten and two best case scenario uh but really i think uh eight and four realistically uh if i'm being uh super realistic and i'd say probably because the run game got got on board and our secondary play improved tremendously from last year now why it didn't go well uh you know basically the opposite uh run game just couldn't get started maybe we have like a bunch of injuries quarterback plays just wishy-washy uh, you know, both guys just can't get in the rhythm. We just can't get anything going. Uh, possible play call. Maybe we're, we're too puckered up to, to take chances this year, which hopefully we, we shouldn't be, obviously, because, uh, you know, we all know this is a make or break year um, for Neil Brown. So hopefully that isn't the case. But that's kind of where I could see it going for us uh, if things don't play out as well. So I'm I'm pretty similar from Owen. I'm not far off. I'll go with the same worst case scenario. Four and eight, I think, is is worst case scenario. I'll go one game better for best case scenario, though. Nine and three. Um, let's start. Let's start with the good here. Even not, I mean, this schedule is very difficult. You're you're one of two programs again in the country that are playing eleven Power Five opponents. Uh, you start on the road against a top ten opponent. By every metric, I mean, I don't care if you're going people who are just going off of eyeball stuff, if you're going people who are digging deep in the analytics, whether it's ESPN, pro football focus, everything in between, every toughest schedule in college football list has WVU somewhere in the top five. I mean, they they all do. So I think nine and three, some people might be thinking, really, that's your, your guys' best case is eight wins, nine wins. The schedule is brutal. I think not. I mean, nine and three would be very impressive considering the uncertainty at quarterback, some of the uncertainty with the defense, and just how difficult the schedule is in a season like this. Uh, nine and three, though. Hey, you you start two and one like we talked about. Right? I mean, the, the dream scenario is to start three and zero, oh, and then and then you're really cooking. But say you start two and one, you get Texas Tech at home as well too. Three and one, maybe you go down there to TCU and they're not quite what they were last year, and you're able to knock them off. You get back to back wins in Texas. All of a sudden, you're five and one. 
Uh, you got some tougher games down the stretch there as well, too. But even if you're four and two halfway through the season, you could still on that back end. Oklahoma State's going to struggle. UCF and BYU, both new to the conference. Oklahoma, to me, is kind of the biggest question mark this year. I could see them winning 10 games. I could see them being six and six again. Cincinnati, brand new coaching staff, brand new offense, new era for them. And then Baylor to close out the season, which always seems like it's a coin flip game every time we play Baylor, right? Something crazy happens. Either one of us blows each other out, or it's or it's like a game like last year that comes down to the wire. So nine and three for me, best case scenario. Garrett Green, Nico, whoever the quarterback situation is decided by the Duquesne game. You're off and running. The defense surprises us all. The offensive line is one of the best units in the Big 12, if not the entire country. You're able to run the ball. Um, you get some impact transfers from guys like Carter and Taylor on offense, right? Who go out there and make some plays as well too. best case scenario to me, nine and three worst case, four and eight. Now there might be some of you who think out there, Oh, come on guys. It can definitely get worse than four and eight. And they were five and seven last year. And it felt like the wheels were falling off at times and they were still able to stay in the hunt. They were still able to compete down the stretch and win some games. Another reason why I only think four and eight for worst case scenario is gentlemen, you get all four of the newcomers on the schedule, yep. right? And and we talked about this, what our experience was like. I mean, WV was picked second in the Big 12 our first year. We ended up losing five straight games at one point that season, right? Now, you started out 5-0 and and had the top 10 ranking, and then you lost five straight as well, too. It's tough moving into a new conference. You're going to new stadiums for the first time. You're, you're dealing with just all different kinds of stuff, uh, new opponents, new coaching staffs, new stadiums, new officials all different kinds of things, not to mention we all know a jump up. You know, the Big East was a power conference, but the jump up into the Big 12, right? Some of the, I mean, Cincinnati's had a lot of success. BYU, Central Florida, they've had success. It's still a jump up into a bigger and better and stronger conference. So when I look at it as you replace four of the team, you lost seven games last year, four of those seven losses, you're not even seeing those teams again. You don't play either of the Kansas schools, Kansas or Kansas State, who you both lost to. You don't play Texas, who you lost to. You don't play Iowa State, who you lost to. You replace those with the four schools that enter the conference. I think worst case scenario against the four newcomers, you should be able to go two and two. I don't think Houston's going to be very good. I don't think Cincinnati's going to be very good. I think UCF is a little overrated. I think they'll be the best of the four, but a little overrated. You should be able to win two of those four games. You beat Duquesne, that's three. You can't tell me you're not going to at least knock off one of Pitt, Tex, Tech, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I mean, you got to get one of those six games all of a sudden to win four. So to me, worst case scenario, four and eight. I don't see this doom and gloom like, ah, Duquesne might be the only win like some people. I think there are still, even if things go south, I don't think it's a one or two win season. So best case scenario, nine and three. Worst case scenario, four and eight. Mm. Boy, I hate when we agree because that's kind of boring, right? But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to start with worst case scenario. Uh, and I, I was thinking the same thing you were thinking, Wes. We get all four newbies. We draw all four newbies. That's big. That's big. Defensively, we expect a learning curve. And the, the, the benefit is when you look at the schedule, not only are we not getting a number of those teams that beat us last year, but we're not getting most of the premier offenses in the league. We're not getting Kansas. We're not getting Texas. We're not getting K-State. You know, see, so if there's a learning curve defensively, at least you have that benefit working for you. But four and eight, I, I think you find a way to knock off a couple of the newbies and steal one or two outside of that. But a lot of this might turn on 
you, you got a chance to rebound irrespective of what plays out in happy value. You're, you're, we'll get into this in crazy detail next week, but as a three touchdown dog, <clears throat> I mean, you just don't want to get, you don't want to get physically beat up and lose some key guys. You don't want that to happen in a game like that. Uh, you want to compete and give yourself a chance to win and by and large, stay healthy. Right. So you come out of that against Duquesne. So even if, even if you play well and have a hangover, you're, you're, you're facing a Duquesne slow start with your hangover. So good enough. I'm glad that's sitting there at week two. Yeah. Uh, and now, now you come out against Pitt. Again, Pitt is going to be getting some votes. Uh, I don't know if they'll quite be ranked coming into town, but they're not a bad football team. I think, I think they're probably better than they were last year. I think Pitt is probably better than they were last year uh, as, as a complete football team. Even, even with, what, five or six draft picks lost? That's a yeah, lot that's to right. replace. That's right. It is. Uh, I think their quarterback play was incredibly subpar. I think it at least will be serviceable with a kid that's played in that system before without getting too detailed about Pitt. But I, yeah. I just think they we'll, – we'll, we'll talk about them in a yeah, couple weeks, Yeah, they might be a right? tick better than they were last year. Uh, when we should have beat them, we all feel. But we didn't. We didn't finish the job. So, uh, And then Texas Tech. I mean, here's the thing with Texas Tech. I'm fascinated by this. They're the first team getting votes. They're the first team outside the top 25. So technically they're number 26. All right. So uh, with a hundred and some odd votes, uh, they got, they play at Wyoming. Okay. To open the season, quirky kind of opener up in the mountains. That's, that's a little dangerous and weird. I, you might catch them looking ahead. Uh, I expect them to win, but maybe not pristine. And for the time caps, what Wyoming, but they'll come home the next week. They might be looking ahead to that week two matchup against Oregon. Oregon's a top 15 team. Now, they get Oregon under the lights in Lubbock. Guys, been there, done that in Lubbock. It can get crazy. It can get crazy. Now, if they knock off Oregon and, come, you know, that they're 2-0, they're top 20. Not just top 25. They're top 20, right. top 15. Right. So, they come to Morgantown. You're going to have your hands full. Now, the, the the only struggle they had as a team last year was they weren't a good road team. They were 1-4 on the road, so we got that going for us. But you're going to have your hands full there. TCU, I, I just don't like the prospects of wondering what Sonny Dykes year two is going to look like because year one was a heck of a lot better than most of us thought, right? So I'm not selling that guy short. What I'm getting into is there's there's not a lot of empty chairs down to the schedule. Even Houston, it's not like we're playing Houston on a sleepy 11 a.m. kickoff on a right, Saturday. Right. We're taking whatever their best shot is, we're taking it primetime Thursday night. Uh, so that's challenging. Oklahoma State, they're coming to Morgantown. Guys, we haven't beat Oklahoma State in Morgantown since the Bumblebee game with Clint Trickett, the giant upset in 2013, the gold rush. So no given there. I mean, you just walk your way through the schedule. I just do think we'll find a way to worst case scenario. Let's say we miss on most of those transfers on the back end defensively. Things are a little bit more disjointed than we expect for whatever reason up front. And the running game is on touchdowns, not clicking. We're not as settled at the quarterback position as we hope to be. And that leads to more turnovers and the defense is still turnover starved. All these things could set up for disaster if they all work against you. So worst case scenario, I do think you're looking at a four and eight style season. Uh, I don't think it's the catastrophic one and 11 uh, type thing that, as you mentioned, some people have, have, you know, maybe alluded to if you're looking at the absolute worst, but when you get to the best, I'll start with this. Uh, if you get to the best, I do think it's nine and three. And and part of me even thinks, look, if you go up there and steal one for the ages against Penn State, I go back to what I just said. You might exceed that, but there's just th – this isn't – the last time we won 10 games in a season was 2016. Now, what people lose sight of 
2016, Kansas was a joke. They were a layup. So you showed up and beat Kansas by three touchdowns playing your worst football year. Iowa State with Paul Rhodes was a joke. They were a layup. So you had two automatic wins built into your conference schedule that are no longer there. So that's what it took for us in 2016 to get to 10 wins, right? That's not there. There are no empty chairs here. So it's not even a matter of, let's say you start out hot, like you said, dream scenario, you're 3-0. and I mean, looking at the rest of the schedule, let's say you're 3-0 and and you look at the remaining nine games, and I give you one game to pick. Hey, if you're guaranteed a win in one other game, what's it going to oh. be? It's going to be Tech. Is it, see what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. I'm not real comfortable with the eight games you didn't pick. <laughs> I mean, there's so many. You don't know when they're going to bring their, bring their best effort. There's so much parity in this league that from the bottom up, the, the bottom's not that – they're not bottom feeders, right? Yeah. I mean, we're also – there's such parity. It's so competitive with one another. Like, even when you finish five and seven – you're, you're five and seven instead of seven and five because you lost a couple heartbreakers and you want a couple heartbreakers, right? So that's kind of the nature of this league, and it's continued to be the nature of this league when you're bringing these teams in. But, uh, I mean, to exceed nine, and now first, let, let's consider what it might take to get to that. The O-line clicks as we expect. The depth and versatility of the running back is everything we thought and more, okay, on the offensive side. We find an answer at quarterback, whether that's one and one A or just one and two, okay? And I think we're we're going to get to that very quickly, okay? Uh, behind center, I think people are going to be pleased with the, what they see here in the first month of the season. We'll see, but stay tuned. So if you can do that, I think we brought in enough weapons, whether it be youth or transfers, on the perimeter. All those guys are having different roles and flashing different things in camp. That uh, I mean, one of the things I told Devin Carter at the scrimmage Saturday night, <clears throat> I said, Devin, I said, I saw an interview with Kalen King last week. And he was asked, like, you know, they're a week into camp, two weeks into camp, just getting settled into real football. And, hey, what are you most looking forward to this year? Right at, right away, he jumped to October against Marvin Harrison. Hmm. I said, no, nah, I just wanted to kind of plant that seed. And, you know, Devin Carter, I, when I see your smile. You see where I'm going with that. And Devin's like, hey, isn't that interesting? I'm really glad you told me that. I said, yeah, spread the word, you know. So, <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm content with what I've seen in camp on the perimeter. The tight end room brings some interesting possibilities. Now, if you jump onto the defensive side, again, here's what good looks like. If, if we're going best case scenario, we hit on those transfers on the back end. They do provide answers we didn't have a year ago. We have some depth on the defensive line. We do dictate the terms on these early downs that we need to, as we talked about in the preview. If you can dictate the terms and sub at your leisure and not have the subs dictated to you by the other offense – we got some bodies that can do some different things. So best case scenario, that's what it looks like. You're getting Lee, the best out of Lee Koba uh, mm-hmm. on, on the downs you want and getting them off the field on the downs you don't. That's what good looks like. Special teams works out. Who knows? We might even have a, a hidden gem in the return game. All of a sudden, you got a kickoff specialist that can put it in the end zone as consistently as some of these other Big 12 guys can. Ollie Straw takes the next step, next step and plays just as he did throughout the line share last year. You know, dead-eyed Dick, he's penny inside the 20 every time you turn around. So all those things go your way. You can find a way to battle your way in an incredibly competitive league to nine wins. I just, again, I don't know if I can talk myself into 10 best-case scenario. 
because of the schedule. parody, even with a Penn State win. You talked about it, Wes. By any reasonable measure, it's one of the toughest schedules in college football. There are no layups. And, and you know, recently, Skyler and I went back and tracked all the 10-win seasons in history, okay? By and large, they took advantage of hollow schedules that didn't have a lot of ranked teams on them. The exceptions were the teams that Owen played on. Like in 2007, we were 4-1 and one against ranked teams. In 2016, we were 0-1 oh against ranked teams and won 10 games. Yeah, so yeah. we don't have that kind of schedule. So you're going to have to knock off some of these heavy dogs to climb your way to 8-9 wins. That's not going to be easy. You have to answer all these questions. And it's a long – after you're 5-7, and seven, you got a long list of questions. That's fair, right? So worst case, yeah. I mean, I, I see us, you know, dropping to that 4-8 and eight range. But I think we find a way to pull out at least that many. But best case, that's kind of what we're looking at. And uh, not only that, but with so much youth in the backfield, whoever the quarterback, you know, is making the plays for us, even if it's both of them, both those guys have the potential to be back next year. Now, I would imagine at least one of them is. All right. So you're building towards something. I mean, that's what what made Owen's team so special. It started when they were young, you know. I mean, you're going to have to retool some things up front, obviously, but for a reason. I mean, you got three NFL offensive linemen on that on that unit. But Owen, what was so intriguing and impressive about the teams you played on? Uh, you won the Sugar Bowl with all those freshmen in the lineup and sophomores and guys that were back, and that you know that bared out by winning eleven games the next two years. So there's there's some kids that that they play critical roles or will need to play some critical roles. I mean, I'm telling you guys, the wideouts we got in camp, both those freshmen are doing things. So interesting things going on with this youth. So that that's that's kind of my best and kind of my worst. Yeah, for things to happen, I mean, we're gonna have, people are gonna have to step up. That's just how it goes. You know what I mean? For us to have the season that we're we're looking to have, and I think the biggest thing too, as far as motivation for us, is number fourteen. You know what I mean? Yep. If that's the motto for this season, and that's what drives us, uh, we shouldn't have a problem with with any uh, motivating tool for for the whole season. But, boys, I'm out of here. I'm off the Greenbrier West. <laughs> go get him, Big O. Go, go coach him up. Go, go coach him up. That'll, 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 yeah, that's right. Eight and two, baby. They ain't picking, they ain't picking Greenbrier West to finish 14th. That's for damn sure. Let me, let me close with one question. If there's one thing to have that type of season that we talked about, if you reduce it down to one, what do you think, whether it's, you know, forcing, a bevy of turnovers that we haven't had in several years or whether it's settled behind center or the O-line is what we think, or what do you think the one most critical piece is? You know, it's, it's funny. I think you just touched, listen, we, we've <clears throat> talked a lot about the X factors at quarterback and how good the offensive line could be. And if you hit on those, those transfer guys on defense there um, as well too, I, I think turnovers is a big one though. I, I, I meant to save that, you know, it's funny. We, you and I were looking for that, that Twitter poll of the per, whoever, whatever outlet asked the Pitt Penn State, would you rather question? I saw some uh, research as well, too, from one of the college football outlets. I don't remember if it was pro football focus or, or somebody. And you can correct me on this if I'm wrong. I wish I could find it right now. But over the last four years, WVU's turnover margin was either, I'm trying to remember, but it was either dead last or next to last in the Big, in the Big 12. 12. So, man, when when you're – and I think, like, over the last four years, WVU was something like minus 19 in the turnover margin. Minus over, eight last over. year. Bill, Bill Steele has a stat, Wes, and you're, you're hitting on it here. It, it's something in the ballpark of 
if last year you were double digit turnovers against you, 70% of the time you win more games the following year. That, that's we're it. minus eight. We're not quite minus 10 double digits. Mm-hmm. And for the same token, if you're double digit plus in the turnover margin, I think it works against you. You win fewer games. So, yeah, the ball doesn't always bounce that way. And eventually it bounces back your way. Right. And so to me, if if you can flip that script, if all of a sudden you're the ones that are stealing, you know, almost a possession every single game, uh, I think that's huge. When we saw that last year and a lot of the games where WVU had success, right, that was a, a big, I mean, think about the Baylor game, right? When you're able twice when they get into the red zone to, to force turnovers, you, you block an extra point, all these different things. Um, yeah, the quarterback play, the offensive line, hitting on those guys on defense. I mean, the that's really kind of the when you do the 30,000 foot view it's you got to win the turnover battle and you got to start moving those uh, possession or uh sorry starting field position like you and I talked about on a few episodes ago you've got to improve on those things now when that tends to happen right is when you've got a solid quarterback when you've got an offensive line that's not giving up a lot of sacks and is, is protecting those guys right when you've got a successful run game that's taking care of the football when you hit on those guys in the transfer portal that are ball hawking on the on the back end for you so all these all these kind of things work in conjunction but that one like i said i saw that number the other week and uh, I, that was kind of startling to me that we are you know at the bottom of the conference over the last four seasons in terms of your your turnover margin if you can get that moving in the, you know, if you're not minus seven, minus eight every single year, if all of a sudden you're plus seven, plus eight, plus nine, plus 10, um, I think that would mean that a lot of those other things we've discussed are are moving in the right direction. I want to be a homer. I uh, Obviously, old quarterback, old coordinator, old quarterback coach. I, uh, I don't see a path that we get to that type of season that we talked about in the best no, case. No, you're right. I mean, with – in in the today's game, it's too hard to do that with a game manager behind center. You need a difference maker at some level. So it's 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 not enough to stay out of your own way, okay? At some point, because so many other problems go away if you find a difference maker developing behind center, and especially again, in this especially in this conference too. Well, the modern rules just skew so it's heavily. Not, you're not Iowa and Illinois playing yeah, a 10 to 7 football, football game yeah, in this you're, conference. you're putting the football in the air. You're, if you're not doing it, you can still win, but you're taking the long way around to win, the hard way to win. So yeah. if you find that kind of play develop behind center, all the things we hope unfold will more easily and readily unfold. The run game comes into play. Just imagine what your red zone touchdown production now looks like if you have that type of play at quarterback with what we know we have at the O-line, with what we hope we have at running back. So now all of a sudden you go from 31 points a game, you're in the high 30s. You're among the top third of the league if you have that with all the other pieces. And talk about stealing a possession a game where you're stealing a touchdown a game if you can do those things. But I just don't see a path for us to get to eight, nine wins, best case scenario without the quarterbacks developing and being a strength makers as opposed to game manager. There's times to be game managers, but you're going to have to win some shootouts. I completely completely agree with you on that. I think that's, I think that's well said. Uh, Thank you to Toothman Ford, of course, for presenting this episode of ITG as well. Our guys down there in Grafton, we all know cars cost less in Grafton. Make sure you're showing some love to Toothman Ford as they do so much 
for all of our athletes and NIL at WVU. And of course, to Fortis as well, too, for roof performance and financial security guaranteed. Make sure you visit Fortis.us.com. This was a fun episode. Good idea yeah. for this week, Jed. Uh, you and and Skyler have been pumping out great previews and lookbacks and 10-win seasons and, and records against top 25 <laughs> opponents. It's been a lot of fun. And folks, we're, we're just getting it going for you. Next week, obviously, it, don't look now, but it's here. It's it's game week next week. So we will have episodes for you about four or five Phil next Steele week. Bill Steele is going to help preview with us. We'll do our normal previews that you expect as well, too, uh, as we get ready for that opening game. Again, now what? Just 11 days away or so yes. out there at uh, Beaver Stadium, 110,000 people at Happy Valley. Have you ever been to a game there before, Jed, real quick? I have go? not. I, I found myself in a rabbit hole. It's it's like last night, Wes, and, and these are – what happens is I have a to-do list over the course of a summer when you open a game like this. And, and sure. all my to-do list was I – I, I, you know, was hell bent on going back to watch the 2013 Texas at BYU game, which was Manny Diaz's, who's the coordinator at Penn State, mm -hmm. was his mm -hmm. final game at Texas. He was fired the next morning when BYU ran for 550 yards on Texas. Ooh. So I'm terribly curious. So I went back early in the summer and rewatched that. Well, last night I was truly in the rabbit hole because I was sitting there taking notes, watching it diagram, like, all right, I still see these even front contact. What's different? What's the same as to what we what he did then when he got gashed. But I, I'm I'm that far in on Penn State. I started in the summer, but now I'm truly in the rabbit hole. So I'm I'm and and you know I was just talking to somebody about this today. I haven't been to a game there and there's always I've been through there but not to a game. And there's always an incredibly cool novelty, you know this from traveling with the Steelers to visiting a facility for the first time for the first time yep. as cool as dkr in austin and and you know all the venues in the big 12 i've been there five six times the novelty's worn off and now it's just showing up for work right you know like the back of your hand like you know mountaineer field but that's not the case so i'm very much looking forward to you know being on press row understanding that the good and the bad i mean i'm already hearing complaints about the press box all right the space all buddy box, you know so the stadium. Yeah. Uh, so I've been there. I've been there three times, uh, twice when they played Ohio state and once uh -huh. for a, for a spring game. Okay. So I, you know, my, my family is split. My dad was a Euler, obviously my last name. My mom was a Kaufman. My mom's whole side of the family is from Doddridge County, West Virginia. My dad's whole side of the family is from Carlisle, Pennsylvania, which is uh -huh. not far from state college. So my family is split. It's half Penn state fans, half WVU fans. So, uh, you know, there's been some times where we've had family things and this and that out there. And and don't worry, I've never worn Penn State stuff when I go to those games. As I've never worn collegiate apparel of any school other than WVU in my life, and I'm 32 years old. That's a true story. I send you some Glenville um, State stuff, and then you, you can, yeah, I would rock some Glenville <laughs> State stuff. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I did have a uh, Robert Morris business uh, department T-shirt in high school that I used to do landscaping work in, but it was it was the RMU business school, so it doesn't count okay. as athletic. It doesn't count yeah. as athletic apparel. <laughs> that's the that's the only one. Um, it is an incredible atmosphere, but it is also a dump. If that makes sense, like have it's you been a, it's in the a, have you been in the press? I'm here in I have not. I it's have not. But it's tiny. an old. It's an old. It's one of those stadiums that they built it and then they pieced together and then they pieced together and then they pieced together. Um, it's, like it's the, house a, of the seven gables. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. like Jed. I don't, I don't know if you remember, like, did you ever go to the civic arena in Pittsburgh, the penguins old arena? No, no. Like that place. It, it, it gives me the same vibes. Like the civic arena was a dump, but it was my dump. You know what I mean? Like, you know what and you would go, was? 
you would I, go <laughs> when I was in law school, I used to go to Tiger Stadium all the time, long yes. before America. And Tiger Stadium, I swear the press box was like our deer stand. I mean, it was yes, it was just but, but we're not even traveling. Like we're keeping folks on the crew back in Morgantown. I thought it's local. Everybody will be one of the cool things about being so close is the whole crew. No, there's not enough room in the press box. Yep. So it's it's yep. only gonna be a fraction of us with our engineer and the on and the on-air team. But uh, I'm looking forward to kind of feeling my way down. You know how it is—the corridor, the locker yeah. room. No, it's uh, it's it's, it's a hallowed it's a hallowed ground. Right? But it's it's one of those like there's a there's and I got to be careful. I don't want to say too many nice things about <laughs> Penn. Well, I did just call their stadium a dump, but it's one of those that yeah. like I love it and I mean that as a compliment almost in a way because it was it's the same thing as going to an old school stadium before it was all corporate seats and suites and all those things, right? Like the people that are there are there to watch football, you know, like you, you, you go to, you know, you go to pit games, you go to Steelers games, whatever. Like a lot of those people, there are corporate people who pay a lot of money and it's in a tailgating event. And they, yeah, they're into it, but they're not diehard about it. They don't the social the people, event, not a football game. The, the people who drive and wait in traffic for 37 hours in a cow pasture in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, they they're there for football. Um, so it's a unique atmosphere, but if you need to go to the bathroom, plan to give yourself at least 20, 30 minutes because it's one of the first things hey, and to this it's day, a dump, to this it's day a dump. you want to know, you want to know the most sideline reporter friendly bathroom from an access stand other than Mountaineer field, because the Mountaineer field on field bathroom, right. They've got them in the going, tunnel. I usually go yeah. to the locker room and yeah. you, because when you go into the on field bathroom at Mountaineer field, I mean, you're standing there waiting behind, you know, uh, uh, the 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 I'm trying to think a different different uh, uh let me think here uh Pistol Pete he's in front right. of you you're right you know with right. his headgear on <laughs> yeah that's who you see in the bathroom you can't get out of character so, yeah <laughs> so that, that's what you're dealing with but but Syracuse the carrier dome it was right behind the end zone it was perfect it was 30 feet away but I, I mean I normally scout I'm I'm not a rookie I usually scout those things out early and often but uh I, I'm kind of intrigued uh about what i'm gonna like about it and what i'm more importantly what i'm not gonna like about it uh but it, yeah i'll be interested pretty, to get your d i'll be interested to get your debrief here's in, two, what I'm in two weeks and i'll tell you how accurate it is or is and i'm envisioning a supersized georgia southern in statesboro georgia okay because i've coached there i've played there it's out in the farm it's an fcs now it's division one but it, it, it's a decent size statement i'm expecting that on on steroids times five in that kind of setting and i'll see i've, I've been by it and saw it in a distance you know i mean in happy valley but not really right not to check right it out and appreciate it but I'm, they've I'm, dressed it they've dressed it up nicely on the outside but once you get in there right? it's like exposed <laughs> ceilings and it's like shaking and it's rusty and the bathrooms you know the bathrooms are like I, I, i'm pretty sure that they were used during the civil war those bathrooms to house people i mean they're just it's well, it's, I, it's, here, unique. Like it's unique i've told you on this show before and we'll close with this we gotta roll out of here but the uh, the standard bearer for horrible visitors facilities to me in the big 12 is texas tech and I stick to it. The visitors' locker room at Texas Tech and Lubbock at Jones AT and T Stadium. I, I use this analogy all the time because I feel it's on point and accurate. It you feel like you're in an 1850s Mexican prison, <laughs> something you'd see like out of a southwestern territory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, with uh, you and know, some old and some old John Wayne movie. Yeah, and yeah. it's spaghetti <laughs> western. I just it it's terrible. Uh, it's terrible. So now if they don't at least rise up to that. In a weird way, I'll kind of be impressed, but 
There you go. There you go. Well, we'll get the full debrief from Jed in two weeks. Next week, obviously, we'll have all of our previews to get you ready. Phil Steele for the first time here on ITG. We're looking forward to a bunch of great stuff for you guys this season, and it all gets going next week. Uh, the last thing we ask of you, as always, is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WV football podcast. Reminder um, about our two different podcast feeds, yes. right? Make sure you're subscribing to the Believe feed, the one that has Owen Hurdling, Devin McCourty from Rutgers, that poor soul. I, I heard he did all right for himself in his NFL and his professional career. So maybe Somebody he's not even a poor said, soul, Wes, but... I'm glad you said that. Last week when Skyler posted one, hey, it's not on Spotify yet. Well, we rectified that, but there'll be a time in the near future it won't be. So, so make sure you're subscribing. Make sure you're subscribing to the right podcast feed for In the Gun, the one that has Owen hurdling Rutgers, not the one that has our logo. Again, we're grandfathering this in. They'll still be populated for a while, but not forever. Make sure you're subscribing to the right feed there, the one that we continue to post on our social media accounts now. Uh, but of course, as always, on YouTube as well, In the Gun Podcast. Uh, where everything's there. You get the visual element of all the graphics that, that Jed does and that Skylar puts together for us. So we're ready to get rocking and rolling here on a new season. Uh, thanks to Skylar for producing this. As always for us, thanks again to Bet Online, Toothman Ford, and Fortis for presenting this episode of ITG as well. For the beer truck, Owen Schmidt, and the signal caller, Wesley Euler. <laughs> signal caller, Wesley Euler. I'm jumping the gun here. Let's try that again. Rewind. Rewind. For the beer truck, Owen Schmidt, and the signal caller, Jed Drenning, I am Wesley Euler, and you've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.